Welcome to the podcast of Mosaic Church, celebrating diversity within community. But I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the forces of Hades will not overpower, and I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth is already bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth is already loosed in heaven. And he gave the disciples orders to tell no one that he was the Messiah. And from then on, Jesus began to point out to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders, the chief priests, the scribes, be killed and raised on the third day. And then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Oh, no, Lord, this will never happen to you. But he turned and he told Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are not, you are an offense to me because if anyone wants to come to me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me will find it. What will it benefit a man if he gains the whole world yet loses his soul? Excuse me, this version says, or loses his life. Or what will a man give in exchange for his life? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will reward each according to what he has done. I assure you there are some standing here who will not taste death until until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Let's pray. God of light and truth and mercy, God of all that we see, we ask that you would be with us this morning and that you would... Light up your words in our hearts and on these pages that we may understand them fully. In your name, amen. So here's this guy, Peter, and you probably heard, you may have, being in church, if you've been in church really any length of time, uh, you see this kind of dichotomy of Peter's life kind of played against itself uh, in a few places, but this is one place where it happens really quick, right? So Peter makes this grand announcement, Jesus, you are the Messiah. That's who we say you are. That's who I say you are. You're the Messiah. And, and Jesus just lifts him up, right? He says, Peter, that's a good job. You've done really, really well. Uh, you're kind of the teacher's pet right now. I'm going to bring out this in front of the whole class. And if you, ever, if you can remember back to being in class, and for me that's a while, right? But being in class and someone pointing out and said, man, you did a good job, and you're smart, and you're good, and you're right, that's a good feeling, right? Kind of want to puff your chest out the rest of the day. My son loves coming to me and telling us when he did a good job at school. Jude, school is not the easiest thing for Jude, and so when he's really done a good job, he's super proud of himself. And so I have seen that, and I remember that, and I've been there, and you always enjoy it when someone points out and says, yeah, you're right, that's a great job. That's a great perspective I've never thought of before, whatever it may be. And, and with Peter, this is what's happening. Jesus is singling him out in front of the 12. I mean, these are the, I mean, think of it. Right? Jesus has got this crowd of thousands of people who are following him everywhere he goes. They're seeing these miracles. You would imagine there's a sense of pride already that you're one of the 12 that he singled out to kind of pull aside all the time and say, hey, come with me. Let me teach you some extra stuff that everybody else isn't getting. And Jesus even tells them that. Like, some of these people aren't even understanding this. You guys are, imagine that. And then imagine being in the place where Jesus just 
singles you out and says, yeah, that's exactly right. Nobody else said it, right? Any of the other 12 could have said it. They didn't. Peter did. And Jesus singles them out and says, you've done a good job. You're blessed. And in fact, Jesus goes even further and he says that the church is going to be built on you. Like my church is going to be built on you. And the gates of hell aren't going to prevail against him. Like, holy cow, that is, that is really something, right? Like, can you imagine how Peter's feeling? And then he goes on and says, whatever you bind on earth is already bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth is already loosed in heaven. Like, you have this ability now, and I'm declaring, I'm even I'm kind of even giving you a different name because you are this rock that's going to be built on. Man, that is, that'd be a good day, right? Like that would be proud to come home. You know, that's not like when I was in school and I'd do something wrong, the teacher would pin a note to my sweater or my shirt. You may remember that. And I'd have to come home and my mom would unpin it and read it. But whatever knucklehead thing I did, they never sent home a pin note saying, man, Friar really did a great job today. <laughs> they never did that. But, man, that would have been great because I would have come out like this. You know, if I was, whenever I had that note pinned in my chest, I would just be like this, getting in the car, right? This is what Peter's got right now. He's got this accolades. He's got Jesus, who he has just declared is the Messiah, is the person that their entire uh, history has been waiting on. It's been promised. They've been looking for it. This is it, and I'm the first person to say it out of this group of 11. And Jesus lifts me up and says, oh, this is good. man, it is great. That's not the text this morning, but to see it, we have to kind of see it in light of that. Because the Messiahship that Peter declares is going to be very different in character from what Peter imagines it to be. Because what happens is Peter stays at the center of attention of this story, right? Jesus speaks, but really, Peter's still at the center of attention. But now, what we're about to transition to is what's at the center of attention now is not Peter's wisdom and boldness to really, because some of them may have thought it, and they weren't really bold enough to say it, because it's like, that sounds a little crazy, because this is what we've been waiting for for a long time. I just recently watched a... uh, a documentary, or not a documentary, it was kind of like a, it was a uh, retelling of the events of the Branch Davidians of Waco. So it was kind of a documentary, but it wasn't live. It was just a, basically a dramatization of what happened. And I thought that the, the maker of this thing did a really good job with some people when they were wrestling with this and coming to this, to their conclusion that maybe this David Koresh character was the Messiah. I mean, some of them felt kind of crazy. And, you know, some of us may look on this side out and say, yeah, they, they may have been. And, and, you know, whatever we think on that is, you know, we know that they were a little misguided in that, right? No, very misguided in that. But still, this idea of wrestling with this, and some of them had faith that came from Judeo-Christian background, and to be able to, to come to the wrestling thing, and I can imagine that was happening there with some of the disciples as they... They saw this stuff, and they were still wrestling with it. Is this real? Is this true? Is this, is this right? And Peter, 
and some of them probably believe like Peter that it was right and it was true, it was good, but Peter had the boldness to say it. And now he's still at the center of attention in verses 21 through 28. But he's at the center of attention because of his failure to understand Jesus' mission. Even as he was ready to proclaim that he was the Messiah. And this is kind of where we find our own selves. If we look at the story, just that second half of one chapter of the Bible, one chapter of one book of the Bible, half of it, we see wrapped up all the tension that we can feel on an almost daily basis. Because we proclaim and we say and we acknowledge that Jesus is the Messiah. We pray to him, right? Especially if we need some help. If we need something from God, we're really ready to pray. It's not usually the only time we pray, but it happens a lot. And that's true for me. I pray daily, but at points in my day where I feel I need God even more. I'm praying even more, right? So we feel that. But then we are reading and we're watching, we're following this person that we're supposed to be emulating, right? Jesus is the one that we're supposed to be like, right? That's the, that is the, like if we are called to be disciples, and let me just go ahead and fast forward to the end of Matthew, we are. We're, we're to be disciples, and we're also to spread the kingdom of God all over the world. That's our call. And if we're supposed to be disciples, what were disciples? Disciples were people who lived and who did the things that they were. For instance, Paul was a disciple of an earlier teacher whose name just flew right out of my brain. <laughs> but... So he was living like him. He was doing the things that he did. He was following in his footsteps. That was the point of the disciple. That's like, right. John the Baptist had disciples. So, so what Jesus was doing was not any different than what any of the other Jewish leaders of that day had. They had their own disciples, and the job of the disciple was to follow the teacher, learn under him, get his wisdom and learning, emulate him, do what he do, and that's what Jesus disciples were called to do. And that is what we, as Jesus' disciples, were called to do. And now, what did Jesus say? Love your enemies. Deny your... Well, what did he just tell Peter right here at the very end? Verse 24, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. That's what Jesus says to Peter right after he tries to rebuke Jesus for saying, nope, this isn't going to happen to you. You're the one we've been waiting on. I just took all the strength and all the courage I had to speak that out loud in front of everybody. And the very next words out of your mouth were praise of me for saying that. And then you followed that with saying, now I'm going to be given over to the Sanhedrin, the priests, the religious leaders, the Pharisees, that's who the Sanhedrin was. I'm going to be given over to them and killed. Peter said, nope, nope, nope. I just took everything I had to say that, and now you're telling me you're going to die? This is never going to happen to you because you just confirmed what I believed to be true, that you were the Messiah. And Jesus looks at 
Peter and says, get behind me. Satan. Like he didn't just say, get out of my way. You're, you're confused. He calls him Satan, right? Because he knew that it was the work against God that was happening in Peter's life right then because he says it out of his own mouth. Jesus says, you do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of man. And I have a feeling that God would say it to me on at least a weekly basis. As I look at following Jesus and I say, well, really, I mean, I should love my neighbor as myself. I should love my enemies. But what's going to be most loving is for them to get what they have coming to them so they can learn their lesson, right? Like that's what I would... That's what I want to say to most people who are doing something wrong. It's me. My, my, my knee-jerk reaction is never to be like Jesus and to love them in that. Although Jesus is saying, I want you to be like me. I want you to follow this, to do this. No, they got to learn their lesson, God. Get behind me, Satan. You don't have to mind the things of God, but things of man. I want you to live in poverty. What? That's not what I was taught. I was taught that if I become a Christian and follow you, that... The blessings are going to be what? Pressed down, shaken together, overflowing. That's what I want. Jesus, get behind me, Satan. You don't have to mind the things of God, but the things of man. The things of man have given us many, many, many false idols. I was watching this week, and you may have. And this coming week, you have opportunity to do more. There's lots of political stuff on the, right? There's a Democratic National Convention, and we're on the weekend now, and then we're going to be followed by the Republican National Convention. And I have Christian friends on both sides of that. And they're lifting these guys up. And Jesus is saying, man, it doesn't matter because my kingdom is completely different than that. Right? When I was a kid, uh, in fact, I got a bill. You left one piece of mail today uh, on back there for me, and it was this little voter's guide. And it was mainly who was against abortion and who wasn't. So when I was a kid. That was like the voting one thing that the church voted on, right? And that is absolutely horrible. And the church should stand up for all life, babies' lives and old lives, right? From the uh, one guy said, from the womb to the tomb. We should be for all life. But on the other hand, Jesus also said, I'm giving you something that you didn't deserve. I'm giving you something that you need. And there's a, that's not really built up on the Republican platform, but, it, but it's built up a little bit more on the other. And so there's Christian points of view on both. And there's this week, I was like, oh, man, this is horrible. Oh, that's great. And I hope I do the same thing this week if I watch it. I, I don't usually watch the TV, but it was just on in the background, so I just, it just was there. And I was like, oh, okay, whatever. Uh, and, but I hope if I run across it this week and it's on in the background, I say the same thing. Oh, praise God for this. And oh, my gosh, this is because what God is saying is I'm completely outside of this stuff. But we've built idols on top of politics. we built idols on top of money. I read a quote this week. St. Francis think it was St. Francis. Forgive me if it wasn't. Um, in fact, I'm now questioning that. I think I saved it. I did not. And I'm assuming, Willie, you don't remember who it was, I told you. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, somebody was stand, some saint 
was standing in front of a pope. And it was Pope Innocent II. And the pope had all this wealth before him. And he says, look here. The church doesn't have a need to say any longer silver and gold have I none. And it wasn't, the pope didn't have in mind the things of God, right? Because this saint said yes. And because of that, the church doesn't have the authority to say, rise and walk any longer. And the idea that he was saying was, remember Peter and John were walking into the temple and the beggars asking for money. And they said, listen, silver and gold, I have none, but here's what I'm going to give you. All I have is I can, through the power of God, you can walk again, rise up and walk. And he walked, right? What were they relying on? Nothing but Jesus. The point wasn't this saint was saying you're a sinner, although we all are. It wasn't to say you're completely wrong. It was to point out that when we have something else to rely on other than Jesus, be it politics, be it money, be it our job, be it our family, be it our, you know, wisdom, our brains, our education, our learning, if we have anything at all to stand up on besides Jesus, we can't rely on Jesus to say do this because what are we relying on? That thing, whatever it is. And for if you're like me, for a lot of us, it's multiple things, which is why every day we have to deny ourselves and what we think is right, to pick up our cross and follow Jesus in whatever way he's telling us. For Peter at that time, it was, he was built up on his thought of what the Messiah was, right? He knew now who it was. He's best been confirmed. But he had a thought in his brain of what the Messiah was. And it was completely different than what Peter had in mind. It kind of helps us understand why at the end of that section where Peter declares Jesus as the Messiah, one of the very last things before it transitions into the section where Jesus has to rebuke him, Jesus warns them not to tell anybody. Why? Because Peter wasn't the only one. Probably every one of those 11 had this thing in their brain. Peter was just the one who spoke up. There was probably some guys sitting there going, and I've done this in... in Classroom says before, where somebody gave the wrong answer, it was the answer I was going to give them. Like, whew, glad they spoke up, not me. There was probably, you know, Thomas may have been sitting there doing that. My buddy Bartholomew, he may have been like, oh, thank goodness I didn't open my mouth, <laughs> you know? Because they all had that. The Jewish religion, that's what they were looking for. Jesus, it makes no, it makes complete sense why Jesus asked him not to. If the disciples had, so, disciples, the guy who spent so much time with Jesus had so little idea up to the mission of Christ, what would the crowds have made of that? Peter's mistake vividly illustrates how radically new and difficult to grasp Jesus' idea was. This role of the Messiah, it must have been completely confusing for the Jewish mindset. And that is where we kind of sit with this because a lot of what God said and a lot of what we learned a lot of our lives is biblical and true and good, but then we kind of let our own interpretations creep in, and sometimes God tries to wreck that and says, well, it's a little bit different than what you thought, Friar. Loving your neighbor may not just be the person beside you, or maybe it is, right? Being kind to your enemy may not look like what you thought it would look like. 
being a disciple of me may not exactly be what you thought it was going to be, but I promise you it's going to be good. And that's what Peter, Jesus was telling Peter. It's like, you don't understand it yet, right? We have 2,000 years of history. We're on this side of it, and we, we grasp a little bit better than Peter, not a whole lot, but we grasp a little bit better than Peter why it was good that the death happened, right? But Peter didn't know Jesus was going to rise from dead, even though Jesus kept telling him. Peter didn't know how good it was going to be, even though Jesus kept telling him. And that's true for us today. Like, there's things that God is asking us to do. And it's going to be better. It's going to be perfect, right? Because we'll be right in the middle of God's will. But when we fight it because we don't want to do it, because we're like Peter and like all the other 11 who didn't speak up because we have a different idea and a mindset and thought on what it's going to look like, it makes it tougher on us. We have to then do like Paul writes in Romans 12. We have to be constantly, daily transformed by the renewing of our minds. We need the Holy Spirit of God to enter in and renew our minds so that we can have the mind of Christ because the human nature is not to do that. Peter's, Peter, was, Peter was no... Better or worse in those couple of minutes is how I envision that. It may have been longer than that, but it seems like it happened pretty quickly. Whatever time frame that was, Peter wasn't a different guy. He was the same guy. Jesus was teaching him lessons. Like when you have those thoughts, you don't have a thought of God. And when you don't have a thought of God, when your thought's opposite of God, what is it? It's the thoughts of the evil one is what he was saying. And as a church, this is very tempting for us. Because what Jesus transitions to, once he says, get behind me, Satan, you don't have the mind of things of God, but things of man. He then transitions to, here's what the things of God entail. This is what you are going to have to prepare yourself for, Peter. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. What does that mean? Deny what I want, right? And every day I wake up with, with certain wants. Like, for instance, as a business owner, one thing I want is that my business would always be successful and never go under. <laughs> I think that makes a lot of sense. That may be exactly opposite of what God wants. I don't know. I, pr I pray not, and I'm thankful when it's not. I want my children and my family to be healthy and happy. That may not be what God has for me. The trust for the disciple, the picking up our cross daily, denying ourselves and what we want and following God is trusting that no matter what happens, whether it is sickness and death, whether it's failure, whatever it is that God is in control of that and that God will do something good through that. How can we have that? We know what Jesus said to Peter and to the rest of the disciples is here, I'm going to be handed over these guys and die. We know the good that came out of that. 
this horrible thing that seemed like it was bad, and Peter stood up and confronted Jesus about it. And Jesus said, this death is, you don't understand. You don't have in mind the things of God, but things of man. You don't understand this bad thing that you think is so bad. I am about to take it and make it good. Remember our buddy Joseph last week? Thrown in the cistern, almost killed. His brother sold him into slavery. He goes into slavery. He goes into jail. What was he saying? Guys, you didn't do this. This is what God had planned. God took something that was bad and made it good. Ultimately, God took death and defeated it through the person and work of Jesus Christ. And out of it sprung life, abundant life. Peter, James, and John, and the other nine would have it no other way once we get to Acts, right? They probably had a different way leading up to there, but once we get there, they wouldn't have it any other way. In fact, every one of them died for that. Said, hey, this is worth dying for. We don't want it any other way. What do we want? We want, we want exactly what Jesus wants, right? And that is the heart and the mind of the disciple, which is why Jesus is saying you've got to have the mind of Christ. Paul writes it in Romans 12. We have to have that renewed all the time. May it be transformed and renewed to be the mind of Christ and what Christ wants. It's why the church, at least here, I don't know about churches all around the world. I've worshiped in a lot of them, but I don't know them deeply. But I know the, I know the U.S. church pretty well is what I was, became a believer in. I've been in it my whole life. We've made the path to Jesus real easy. Right? And it is easy. Jesus died and Romans lays it out. All we have to do is confess and believe and it's there for us. But that is then when the road gets hard because Jesus says, if you're going to be my disciple, you've got to take up your cross, deny yourself and follow me. Denying himself or oneself should not be trivialized into a call for just kind of belief, a mild, yeah, I'm going to follow you a little bit. It means to renounce your right to life. And every one of those guys understood that then. This sort of discipleship is not the result of an easy compliance, but a deliberate and irrevocable decision. When we're showing people through our actions and allowing the Holy Spirit to work through us the kingdom of God and how good it is, it's not a, it's not a simple call to just oh, you follow Jesus and then everything, you just keep going on about your business. You just believe God and then move forward. It is, no, you believe God, and now you're going to deny yourself and everything that you wanted and follow Jesus. But here's what I can promise you. It is good. It is worth it. It is true. What did Paul say? I consider everything, and Paul had a lot, right? Paul was up there. Paul was in that Sanhedrin group. He was trained by one of the best guys. He had all the wisdom and all the knowledge, and he had... He, through that, he would have gotten, he would have had his own disciples and he would have had followers and money and all this stuff. And Paul says, I consider everything I have to be trash compared to the surpassing goodness of knowing Christ and Christ crucified. And it's tough for us sometimes on this, in a setting where we're kind of taught that we follow Jesus and everything's going to be good for us to lift up the bad and say, no, but it's still good because it's not bad because it's what God has in mind and it's how he's going to transform and save a generation. 
these verses call for a true sense of values and to remind the disciples that he is faced with a fundamental choice of where his true allegiance lies with God or with the world. God doesn't give his, those 12 guys a choice at that point. He's saying, you're either going to follow me or you're not. And here, I'm going to tell you right now what's going to cost you. It's going to mean you have to pick up your cross daily, deny yourself, and follow me. And that call, 2,000 years later, has not changed. We are still called to have the mind of Christ. And to have the mind of Christ means that we have to deny our own thoughts. We have to hold every, what is it? Scripture said we have to hold every thought captive, right? And allow God's spirit to transform and to move us. This morning, I'm not going to lie or be ignorant and say this is an easy text to talk through. It's not. But it is important for us because we have to continue. We, we all have, a lot of us, and I don't know about everybody joining us online, this may be the first time you're hearing that. And you're like, I don't know if I want to do this. It's good and it's worth it. But it's not a decision to jump into lightly and just say, well, I'm just going to you know, believe Jesus and do it. Like it's it's going to cost everything. It costs those guys everything. It costs Jesus everything. But it's worth everything. Trusting that the Holy Spirit through something bad is going to bring forth life. We've seen it time and time and time again over the call of history, and yet we still keep weakening in it. Saying, well, it's just going to be an easy kind of thing. Let's have an altar call and let's. But we have to trust that even in the bad stuff, that God is good. So this morning, we're going to pray to the same God who takes all the bad stuff and makes it good. And we're going to pray that God would forgive us for the times we tried to make it easy. To forgive us for the times that we tried to kind of attain his righteousness on our own. Create his, make his righteousness be what we thought was right. Which is what I do a lot of times. I try to kind of conform what I think is right. And like, okay, God, this is what you guys think is right. And it's the other way around. It's like God said, nope, this is what's right. And this is what you have to move yourself to. God, through your Holy Spirit, would you change that in us? That is on my prayer for all of us today. And here's the other thing. If you're there and you're living into that, because a lot of us could already be there and living into that. Here's my... So firstly, if you're not there, let's pray that God's Holy Spirit gets there. If you are there, here's what I would say. Be really open with that so that you can help others who aren't yet there be able to get there. Like if you've found the joy, even in the midst of pain and suffering, display that. Tell those stories because it helps people who are wrestling with it and saying, I don't know if this is right or if this is what I want to do. To hear those stories are good. It's why we read you know, Paul's letters. Paul's letters are riddled with, man, I got all this stuff, bad stuff happening but you don't ever get a downer from reading Paul's letters. They're always uplifting. They're always, because Paul's just sharing a story and saying, it's good, like God is good through this. And so if you're there, if you've been a disciple of 
Jesus for a long time and you've learned this lesson and you're living into that. Help, help those who are behind you to hear that and to see that. Tell those stories so it's, so it's obvious. And if you don't even know if this is something you want to do, hear this. Let me tell you, it is good. It is true. God, mercy and goodness comes through every bad thing that ever happened. And there's story after story after story in Scripture. And I can tell you stories in my own life. Uh, and so if that's something that you want to hear more about, you can, you can email us and we can chat. Uh, if you want to know what it is to follow God into this path of discipleship, I'd love to hear from you. This morning we're going to pray. We're going to pray that God's Holy Spirit would do two things, that he would give uh, those of us who are already living this boldness to continue to share those stories, that when people come that to us and need to hear it, that we would hear from the Holy Spirit and we realize, okay, this is what we need to share. And for those of us who aren't yet there are wrestling with this thing of, is this good? I don't really want to give up myself. I don't want to give, deny myself. I want to hold on to it. My second prayer is that the Holy Spirit will give us conviction and help us realize it is good and is worth it. Little by little, I don't know if you're like me, but it's kind of like letting go of my life is like one finger at a time, right? I've let go of a lot, but there's still things I find myself still hanging on to. And so uh, my prayer for me is that God would help to re release all that. So this morning, let us go to a God who hears all of our pain and all of our sorrow, who turns it into good, and let us trust him with everything. God, we're thankful that even though you call us to hard things, and there are a lot in your word that is hard to say and hard to read and hard to understand, God, we're thankful that you give us wisdom and that you give us boldness, and that you don't let your word fall flat. That we can deny ourselves, and it actually be good, and it actually be life-giving for us and for others. God, when things don't go the way that we anticipate or want or desire, may we be people who trust that you are good and that even when it's not going the way we want it to go, that you love us still and that there is going to be something positive that comes out. God, may we, throughout the course of our lives, move closer and closer to, to be like the story of Job where at the end of it we can just say, Whatever happens, happens because you are God and you are good and we're not. And that is so hard to get to that point. God, through your Holy Spirit, would you continue to strengthen us? God, would you, through your Holy Spirit, give us wisdom? God, would you, through your Holy Spirit, give us mercy? We pray and we're thankful in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you would like more information, please visit us at www.mosaiceasley.org.